up a seat at the bar to join us for another episode of McAnally's Pubcast, a podcast exploring the fun and fantastical mind of Jim Butcher's The Dresden File series. Host Tanzan, Maggie, and me bring you another round of literary analysis on this immense, immersive, and colorful environment inhabited by Harry Dresden, the world's only licensed private investigator and professional wizard. Join an active and engaged community of new and die-hard dedicated fans focused on the fabulous themes, theories, characters, context, lore, and more. This is McAnally's Dresden Files podcast by Free Flow Rambling. Conjure by it at your own risk. Welcome to the McAnally's podcast brought to you by Free Flow Rambling. This is episode 12.1, The Flinging of Flaming Feces, where we are covering the novel Blood Rites. My name is Tansen, and I'm joined by Maggie. Hello, hello. And Jess. Good morning, Vietnam. Thank you to our Patreon subscribers for your generous support. It's people like you who help us to do what we do. If you're not yet a Patreon subscriber, sign up today and get a fuck ton of bonus content, kick-ass merch, behind-the-scenes outtakes, and more. Sign up today at www.patreon.com slash freeflowrambling. For Harry Dresden, Chicago's only professional wizard, there have been worse assignments than going undercover on the set of an adult film. Dodging flaming monkey poop, for instance. Or going totally for the walking plant monster. Still, there is something more troubling than usual about his newest case. The film's producer believes he's the target of a sinister entropy curse, but it's the women around him who are dying, in increasingly spectacular ways. Harry is doubly frustrated because he got involved with this bizarre mystery only as a favor to Thomas, his flirtatious, self-absorbed vampire acquaintance of dubious integrity. Thomas has a personal stake in the case Harry can't quite figure out, until his investigation leads him straight to Thomas's oversexed vampire family. Harry is about to discover that Thomas's family tree has been hiding a shocking secret. A revelation that will change Harry's life forever. Chapter 1 Harry Dresden fights off flying monkey demons in order to rescue a box of sacred puppies on a job for a Himalayan monastery. He's assisted by the unwitting white court vampire Thomas. After rescuing the food dogs, Thomas asks a favor of Harry to take a job helping out his movie producer friend. So, so did we all get that in the blurb that Thomas has a <laughs> stake in the investigation? But I'm bummed. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I should have. <laughs> well, you got to practice. Okay, so we're at Blood Rights now. One of the most iconic openings ever. I'm already going off topic, guys. Obviously, you know, in every list in the world, what's the best opening to a book ever? This line is in every single one. It's amazing. The building was on fire, and it wasn't my fault. <laughs> swear. Sure, Harry. We believe you. We believe you. <laughs> right? Of all the characters of all time, you're the one? Okay. Sure. <laughs> of all the opening sentences, this is probably right up there as my top favorite. It's, it's, it's so good. It's, it's just... Really good. 
again, it's one of those, you know, we, we talked about, like, Grave Peril comes out of the gate and we're, like, got action and things pick up, right? And you're, like, same thing, you know, death masks, things get real serious and, like, oh, my God, and things are, right? And then it's just this book where there's just, like, so, you know, and even, like, he's literally starts off running. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But again, he's already, he's like, okay, I know it's on fire again, but seriously, it's not my fault this time, I promise. Let me let me just tell you what's going to, you know. Yeah, like, the overall tone of this first chapter is oh, delightful. Oh my god, it's, yeah, and, and we needed Thank that. Thank god, a nice break. And that's, yeah, I think, right, you know, whether he specifically, specifically, or was just like, you know what this would be, but it all worked because exactly, you come off of a really hard book with really hard, you know, deaths and and changes with harry and the bad guys not getting dealt with and now you're just like i'm running with a box of puppies and the building's on fire and things are about to get real shitty and it just you know it's totally that freeze frame where it's like record scratch yeah okay you're probably wondering how i got here yeah 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 exactly But these are the facts for starting a new book, okay? We are in late autumn 2004. Okay. So it's roughly November, okay? okay. We just missed Harry's 29th birthday. Aw, belated happy birthday, Harry. It's been 21 months since the last book. And, um... Wow, that's a big stretch. Huge stretch. One of the longest jumps in yeah. the series. I didn't realize it was that long. Yeah. Okay. And the only thing you get is vignette, which technically has never been placed in the timeline. The only reason that we say that it's between these two books is because of the order of events that Bob lists out for Harry. Yeah. You can place like, okay. Okay, well, this has happened and this has happened. Exactly, right? So that's the only reason that we can kind of throw even a little bit of a bridge in between these two books at all. But Millennium Park just got built and opened. It's been being built since like the 90s, but it just opened this summer. That's, That's where the bean goes, right? Isn't the bean near Millennium Park? Or am I? I don't know where the bean goes, but I do know that the Millennium Park is in a future short story. Okay. That's Chicago, 2004. Ah, thank you. Yeah. Yes, it is. The the Cloud Gate, which is the technical name for it. Which is much less fun. Than the bean. Well, yeah. Is, is the centerpiece of the AT&T Plaza at Millennium Park in the loop. I did read that the Cloud Gate opened. I did not realize that that was the bean. <laughs> there you go. That is so. I'm now remembering that I did read Cloud Gate. <laughs> see, it all comes to... See, this is why we have a, a collaborative podcast... Right, we put all the pieces together eventually. (laughs) No one's coming here with all the facts. You knew the cloud gate open. I figured the beat. Lo and behold, (laughs) exactly. The the collaborative PI work on the detective novels. Right, (laughs) right. Group effort. See, we are much more witting than Thomas. Which I do like. I mean, that just the unwitting. T- I just works on so. I mean, yeah, he's unwitting in this situation, but also that's just kind of Thomas a little bit. <laughs> True, right? Usually, I, I, I don't mean to multi-layer what? that, right? but I will take it. But it's yeah, <laughs> always the plan. What what did we say in our blurb? The um, the um, flirtatious, self-absorbed vampire of dubious integrity. <laughs> What's going on? What? Good lord, I think I've dated a few of those. <laughs> if only they had the sex vampire part going for them, right? Might have made it all worth it. <laughs> so we join Harry running through an abandoned school uh, with a carved wooden box filled with puppies. <laughs> One of the puppies, his ear already notched where some kind of doggy misadventure had marked him, was either braver or more stupid than his littermates. Sounds a lot like Harry. I was just gonna say. <laughs> On top of this, though, like it's not just a cardboard box of wiggling, squirming puppies, but a carved a wooden box. Fancy like, carved wooden that's box. That's extra heavy. 
<laughs> as Harry points out. Yeah, and as someone who's been doing a lot of moving around lately, I, I'm not running in a building on fire with a carved wooden box. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Now, we don't know what it's, I mean, you know, maybe it's not a super duper heavy bot, but it certainly brings to mind. But with squirming puppies inside, too. You're ruining the balance of that box. Well, for sure, there's there's that, but yeah. And his boots were only made for walking. (laughs) (laughs) I totally put that in there, too. (laughs) I had to laugh because, like, but Harry Harry evades hurtling balls of pudding. Because... (laughs) I had completely read it wrong. Turns out it was little puddles of hungry fire, but I saw pudding. I must have been hungry. I don't know. I don't know. But it made me laugh because hurtling balls of pudding. Uh, well, you <laughs> know. pudding. It's the high school. It's the cafeteria. Just <laughs> say it's a Willy Wonka misadventure. <laughs> also, I just want to throw in before we get too deep into this book, I predicted that we would get to this book in September oh. of 2021. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I was like looking it up We're earlier. Zip through. Yeah. Had a conversation with Matt in the Discord, and I was like, "We'll be there in September. Don't even worry about it." Yeah, yeah. I was correct, definitely. I'm glad we don't gamble. You, you were halfway correct. You, <laughs> right month, wrong year. Yeah, by two. <laughs> It's not my fault. You just thought they were all going to zip by as fast as Stormfront. Okay, so if it's taking us double the amount of time to get to places where we expected, we did originally project at least five years to to get up to speed. I think we're at 15 now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) Hope you guys are in for the long haul. Because apparently we are. Mm -hmm. See, and y'all were going to be upset because we had our whole little hiatus. At least we didn't leave you hanging as long as Butcher did. Right. You only got like a month. How long no. was his fi- his hiatus? Five. Years. Well, this the- book came out one year after the other book. The- well, I was gonna say. Well, I was gonna say. Yeah, it was but like, like between like, Battleground because like, it yeah. took ever, forever between. Yes, it was 2015 and then 2020 before Peace Talks. Oh. Yeah, Peace Talks and Battleground came out like within a few months because yeah. he wrote them all and ended up having to split them up into. Right, skin, but yeah. Skin game and peace talks was five years. <laughs> During that time frame when I was waiting for another book to come out, I kept on looking up to see if Jim Butcher had died. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I was like, what's going on? <laughs> Not died, just divorced and moved and <laughs> waiting for his house to be built. <laughs> no Silly consideration one. for anyone else at all. <laughs> <laughs> Goddamn. Rude. Like, did I let my divorce disrupt the whole entire world? No. <laughs> but Whatever. <laughs> Um, but yeah, just so many everything about this. And it just, I mean, you can't go wrong with puppies. There are so many pop culture references oh in God. this first, like, few pages. I was, like, gobsmacked. The, right? He's like, I'm back. Let's go. Let's. Yeah, let's, totally. This let's, is my world and you're all living in it. <laughs> yeah, let's. No more sad, depressing, apocalyptic long-term fallen angel demons that you know may or may not still be lurking around yeah he's just like okay let's 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 bring it back up a little bit <laughs> it's like thank you it's good it's good gotta do that oh well, my he, god he I calls love- the monkeys donkey kong references and things like that nature and it totally feels like when the book starts that yeah you're like in the middle of a mario just level to- right away jumping barrels right off the bat yeah, yeah. the way that he describes them all i can see is the monkeys from oz oh totally i think mm-hmm. that's like, yeah all i yeah. you've got giant flying monkeys yeah yes. no for sure i think that's absolutely and uh 
Is this where we get the first to his jacket? I just get say that he gets flame, hit with flaming goop, which reminds me, which rhymes with. Nah, yeah. Thank God for magical Scotchgard. Right. Thank God. So yeah. So yeah. He just refers to this noxious smelling goop so far, um, which he's trying to avoid, and yeah, loses his balance, falls, slides. Um, puppies go everywhere. Puppies go everywhere. But he, he makes a quick. Uh, mentioned here. He's like, it got hot for a second, but the wards I'd woven over my duster kept it from burning me. So he finally, you're like, aha, because I swear, you know, like sort of the second time would have been after this book came out, kind of a thing that I went back, and I swore it happened, like, book four, book five. I'm like, he got the coat in three, and I'm like, oh yeah, by the next book, he like threw some wards on that thing to keep it, and then I'm like, oh my god, no, Harry, what are you doing? But the, there's nothing protecting that yet. And then, like, book five comes along. I'm like, Harry, what are you doing? There's nothing, you know? It was like, like, all these comments I made about, like, how his duster is standing. Because I swear, it seemed like it happened almost. Or, like, I knew it didn't happen in the same. But I was like, oh, yeah, by the next book, he's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to. And it took us all the way until book six before Harry's like, you know what? <laughs> I got a little multi-purpose thing here I can do. I can protect my coat and me <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Imagine I mean, this was probably a really great idea for Jim Butcher to do, just for con- uh, contingency, because then he doesn't have to keep continually going back to damaged coat. Well, there's that too. So I, I wonder, like, did he sort of have it planned originally that he ordered? Was he like, okay, I keep eating up the coat, or people out there, you know, like me, are like, okay, how much, how much can this coat take before you know? And he's like, okay, I got to do something about the coat. <laughs> like, and on top of that, you know, you don't want to replace the lovely dovely. The lovely Susan Dudley. coat. Right. Exactly. The lovely Debbie? Yes. Because you could have just said he keeps buying a new coat. But he's like, I already got rid of Susan. She can't keep buying a new coat. We have to keep this love symbol intact. There is that. And also, hello, we've met Harry. The man is not affording a brand new fancy leather duster that is going to fit him every year. Right? Regular sized leather coat is like at least two to three hundred dollars. Imagine like a full long length one right? for a tall dude. And he's got the big mantle and yeah, no, this coat was not like two hundred bucks off the Clarence rack. It was yeah. So yeah, Harry can't afford to replace those coat that often exactly. So like he said, I just I, I wonder sometimes if Strictly Butcher was like I gotta find her whether it was like other people or comment. He's like, oh yeah, you know what, you're right. This coat's gonna get, hmm, what can we do about that? <laughs> just in so much of itself that he's like, how do you give a wizard armor? Yeah. All right, spell well, up the coat. <laughs> well, exactly, right? It's like, magical scotch guard. Actors are going to want to keep leaving, and we want this role to go on. Let's just make sure that he regenerates every time. Then it doesn't matter how often you have to replace the actor. So, yeah, I, yeah. So, it was finally, it was like, yeah, I got, remember, I got all excited about this when they first used, like, some words I'd woven over the coat. I was like, oh, yes, right? This makes so much sense, Harry. <laughs> yeah, I remember, like, that was one of the things I do remember is his, his, his jacket being enchanted, but I didn't remember when it happened. And I remember the first time reading that and going, how clever. Right? How clever. Yeah, which is why part of me is like, really? It took him like two, three books before? I could have sworn he was cleverer earlier. But no, no, he wasn't. <laughs> he was putting a lot of effort into that vampire stuff, okay? He, I guess he was just, and I mean, you do come back now and again, and he'll mention stuff about how long it takes to do certain things or do this or do that. And I'm like, I guess maybe it was one of those things he was just you know, run and run and run and run, and he didn't have time to sit down and work it out, and uh, you know what I mean? So I'm like, maybe there's like a partially practical reason it didn't happen until now, but... Well, and I guess now that we've, and we realize that he's got, he's had he's two sat years around for like to, two years and to did, do menial jobs. Yeah, so he's like... And on top of that, okay, you don't add an air tag to your keys until you lose your keys. 
It took Anna Belmont's feelings as Jack to be like, all right, first of all, we're not making this so easy for people. I want to be able to track this code. I don't want it to get destroyed or stolen or taken off my back so easily again. <laughs> that's, that's, maybe that was part of the impetus there was, yeah, not even so much the fact that I keep getting, like, beat up and shit happens. But he's like, you know, I just spent all this time running around with the knight, so I had all, like, this nifty armor and things. And then, you know, Anna stole my coat, so maybe... How do we, you know, if, what is it? Necessity is the mother of invention. <laughs> if Charity can sit down and hand make her own fucking chain mail, maybe I can put some oh, runes into my fucking coat. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Harry grabs all but one puppy who this little fuzzy thing decides to take on the demons itself. <laughs> so Harry slides uh, to, to kick a monkey and rescue the puppers. Uh, <laughs> PETA was not impressed. I don't think, you know uh, what? They Pe- never are. PETA has no room to complain here, okay? This is a, a an evil flying monkey that is throwing <laughs> its own flaming poo at Harry. Is PETA really going to stand up and defend this well, te- thing? Technically, they were divided. <laughs> <laughs> One half was happy. The other half was like, but the monkey! <laughs> See, if it was like a regular monkey even, I'm like, no, this is an evil flying monkey. I'm like, those have never been portrayed as anything good. Well, except maybe in... Um, Oh, they're already mad that the, the the demon monkey was being exploited as protection anyway. Oh well, there you go. Yeah, they want the monkeys to be on a union. I was gonna say, what was that? The um the Wuzzles, the cartoon from like the late '80s, early '90s, and they were all like a mix of everything. Like there was like butter bear and right. So actually, I guess he wasn't a flying monkey either. It was rhinoki. He was a rhinoceros and a monkey mix. And then there was Be across there was an b- elephant and a rhinoceros. Elephino. Nah. I've heard this one. <laughs> but yeah. But yeah. So, fine. Peter. I'm like, he's saving the puppies, though. So, really? It's true. I think, yeah. I'm. Are you allowed to abuse one animal to save another animal? Okay. Oh. And is it racist to call sentient demons animals just because they have somewhat animal parts? Right. That's not ra- well, race. Well, ra- 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 race. Racist only applies to the race. Be prejudiced Species? or biased or speciesist or but it's not racist. They're not a well. Racist. And they can't exploit the, the the demon monkey for parts because once it's dead, it turns to goo. Mm-hmm. So tough call. But I think regardless of how it looks on the outside, on the inside it's a demon. So Peta can't touch it. Right. They don't care about it. And it's not an entity of Earth as it's so much right? never never. This is exactly it's it's yeah. And I mean, in all fairness, if. He, he he just he bops it right. He I mean okay, this is a big giant. He kicks it in the face, but come on, obviously uh, as we see one hell of a boop. As as we see a second later, it didn't justified or not. I think the point is abuse. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we're justifi- on to the really important. I think justification <laughs> has a lot to do with it because it's it's like self defense. Is that abuse? If somebody else is coming at you and you throw a punch, that's you're not abusing them. You're defending yourself. So he was, th- th- this poor little puppy didn't have a chance against this big giant flying monkey. So a boot to the face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Butcher was really into the frenatics for a while. <laughs> oh, I love it. I, I, I love this, that, that little next thing here. Like Dresden flings himself outside only to deal with a monkey on his back. Like how symbolic <laughs> is that? <laughs> All right. Oh, what? And he, and he fails a back slam into a wall and hurts himself instead. Like, oh. <laughs> right. He's like, oh, no problem. I got this. Let me pull my super cool, like, movie stunt that you. Yeah, no. Monkey's like, fuck this shit. Cashes <laughs> his own head. I'm like, oh, Harry. He's so close. Every time you want to be cool. You, you know, it's like literally everything is like one step forward, two steps back. 
aha, I got my fancy coat all magicked up so that I can't, you know, your your hot flaming stuff is not so hot. I'm like, but I'm going to try and do a super cool move and like smack my own head into the wall. <laughs> what is it they say about a monkey paw? <laughs> yeah. Do you know, you know the story of the monkey paw? I've, I've forgotten. The mon- it- it's, it's, you get wishes but they're not necessarily going to come oh, true. Oh, right, right, right. They, they, they come true, but they also are not the way you expect. Yeah, backfire. Okay. Yeah. Sabotaged. So, yeah. Okay. It's like, oh, yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. So, uh. Yes, he did do, he did kick the monkey in the face. And it was justified. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like punching a kangaroo back in the face. It punches you. Oh, uh, yeah. You, right? I just don't get into a punching fight with a kangaroo no. is my advice. <laughs> Those things are brutal. But yeah, they Run. have never oh, wait, missed can't. a gym day in their life. <laughs> so have you seen some of them? Like, they're they jacked look like they're as hell. on steroids. They literally are oh like, it, they literally look like they just lift weights all day long. <laughs> Scary. 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 See, you can be strong and sensitive. Kangaroo dads carry those babies around. So it's this whole men thing of, you know, big manly men can't be, like, soft, sensitive Dude, dads. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure the pouches. female kangaroos are the only ones with pouches. Yeah. Isn't this a... Oh, it's a seahorses. Seahorses sea carry the children. Wrong pouch. God damn it. <laughs> You're right. Male seahorses, though, are We're... definitely feminists. We're so in a roll. Yeah. <laughs> So two monkeys make a relatively good attempt at torture, trying to torch the wooden box. Harry counters with an extinguisher on the flames, and then on the monkeys. Whack! So what, what kind of demon guardian things are, protect my property at all costs, but if somebody steals it, just blow it up? <laughs> Wait, I didn't even think about that. If we can't have them, nobody can have them. Like, you're gonna torture little puppies that somebody presumably went through some time and trouble to get. Because these were not picked up at your local pound. Like, these are some international puppies here. They're not Ebenezer McCoy, okay? How good do you think their aim is? <laughs> just, just some guy with a box. You're trying to throw shit at the guy, you're going to hit the box. Or are they just like generic alarm? Like, you know, you cross a threshold and the alarm goes off. The alarm doesn't care. They're, they're not programmed to protect what's they're in there. Like, they're ha. just like, attack. I mean, hired help, okay? It's I, only as good as it gets. Well, okay? yeah, hired fl- <laughs> flying monkeys. Right? How? <laughs> what do you expect? How detailed of, of instruction did you want to give them? I expected more, I Didn't guess. Didn't work for the <laughs> Wicked Witch of the West either. That's true. They... Go into Demon HR and <laughs> hire better henchmen. Don't don't just get the grunts, get the yeah. So yeah. Those poor little puppies. <laughs> but yeah, finally makes it out with them. Yeah, we, we get a little bit of dog doggy dialogue so we yes. figure out why Harry is there in the first That's place. That's true, yes, we get a good excuse for the backstory. Brother he- Wang has paid him to oh, what an awful name. Sorry. <laughs> I, I'm not necessarily gonna keep that. <laughs> Wang. Well, I was, you know, I have to say, just because obviously, and it's it's like, Butcher, was was this your, like, you know, uh, adolescent male brain going hee hee hee? Because, isn't it just, it's, I think it's the last book, because I know he dresses Marcone like it, but he's like, you suck, you suck diseased moose wing. 
Yeah. Is what he, and then he's like, Brother Wayne. I'm like, you already made that joke, so now you're giving this guy that name. <laughs> you know, I'm like, is this song? Forgot, it, forgot, it, forgot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? I'm like, see, you almost could have said otherwise, but I'm like, you specifically already used that as a joke for that, so I'm not buying that mm. you, there's no connection there, Butcher. <laughs> we can sort of add this to the list of things that haven't necessarily aged as well. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, I don't know, but... Regardless, but yes, you're right. Yeah, we get a little bit of why, how and why he's there and where these puppies are from. So yes, hired to retrieve them. Um, and yes, paid in advance, thank God, for once. That's the other thing that's kind of cool about this one, too, is that, uh, like, in Stormfront, we started with him getting hired for a case and stuff happened. And then in the other ones, it was more just stuff happening stumbling onto the supernatural and yeah or you know he kind of had a case but it was almost like i'm trying to get this done while all this other stuff is going on you know and i mean like hey summer night kind of was hired but again it was hired as a whole supernatural thing from the start kind of tricked into it it, yeah and he kind of knew it wasn't just like a straight you know what i mean and so we have and again Last book almost, again, doesn't really count because it was a whole setup thing from the start and it was like he was hired, but he almost didn't pay a lot of attention to that because of all the Susan stuff and the attack stuff that happened. He's like, hey, yeah, 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 I got to find your shroud. But meanwhile, what the hell is all this other stuff going on until he found out it was all related, right? And, here and there was no one to send the final billing to since he beat the shit out of him. Again, right? Mab didn't pay. Point. He got, yeah, like, again, he got something of an advance from Vincent. But again, that's, yeah, all he got was a lousy nickel. <laughs> and <it> was, <laughs> <laughs> not gonna be worth you know so yeah so i'm like it's just again here you're just like harry back on the case sort of that old you know only book six harry's like 29 but we're like it's old school harry <laughs> it's like, you just you were on a case and you actually like legitimately get hired for like another regular i need a private investigator i was thinking actually like because some of the conversation that will come up later on is like and maybe maybe this does exist because I haven't read all the short stories, but like it would I know like Zena had an episode where it was a day in the life of and you got to see their boring lives, which mm. actually was kind of funny. But it would be kind of nice like just to see what his boring cases were like, just to we we yeah. we do kind of we get a couple sort of days in the life. You get lower stakes cases, yeah. But kind of the whole, like, joke about them all is that it everything still ends up going to shit because it's Harry Dresden's life. True. And yeah. We, we've said before, he, he does some throwbacks to moments, and he's like, I had to deal with this, and I had to deal with that, and I went and did that. And we'd be like, it'd be so cool to actually see that. And the whole point is that it's supposed to give the illusion that Harry does get a lot of lower state cases throughout the year, right? Yeah, this is, he, he has not been sitting around twiddling he, his right, thumbs for like, 21 months waiting for us to open a book. Just because there isn't a book. Doesn't mean he wasn't still, right? yeah. So, he wasn't, he, he wasn't evicted in those two years, presumably. He still managed to pay his bills. <laughs> Some way, somehow. Well, and I guess uh, the, the short stories them, themselves are, are kind of fill that quota anyways. Which, they're, they're not heavy-duty, big giant. Yeah. You know, intricate plots with 35 different bad guys. They get one bad guy each, and it's simple yeah. and nice for him. <laughs> yeah. But yes, obviously not as much, but we have had one or two sort of quieter days with... Well, again, the thing is, is that it's never really lower stakes in his short stories it's just less bad guys it's just like the only thing that defines his short stories from his main stories is that rather than having like six intricate plots weaved together it's like okay there's one plot one bad guy maybe one or two locations only let's just 
deal with this problem, okay? I guess. I, I feel like I would, I mean, again, it's happening in the midst of all this other stuff, but I would say I feel like there are a couple of short stories that definitely are lower stakes. That they are just kind of a goofy, fun little... There are a handful. You know, like, there is specifically one called Day Off. Yeah. Right? Mm. And the whole point is that, you know, his day off keeps getting fucked over by the supernatural, right? Yeah. So it's almost like supposed to be a day in the life, only it's like Harry Dresden's day it's in the life. Typical, yeah. right. <laughs> so we, we learn through uh, doggy dialogue that Harry was paid up front by br- Brother Wang to retrieve the pups. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of like how he did it this way instead of like it just being like this little blurb here saying... I was here because of this. Like, it was a little more interesting. It is, right? It gives us an excuse to, like, well, we need some exposition, but Harry's by himself, so I'm going to talk to the puppies for a second. But again, it's just, it's very cute in the whole sense that he's like, yeah, you're lucky I got paid, otherwise I'd be in the box and you'd be carrying me. (laughs) And he calls them stupid dogs. I'd be stupid little fuzz buckets. He's a cat person so far. Rude of him. It is. But he's also now being chased by flying monkeys and... Again, we cannot state this enough, obviously, having flaming poo thrown at him. So I'd probably be like stupid dogs, too. Because if it wasn't for the stupid dogs, I wouldn't be here in this. <laughs> I did read, some, this is somebody else's complaint on the internet, but I happened to come across it while I was looking at something else. And apparently the only way for the puppies to be this size is if they were born like two or three days ago. Well, that's clearly you know, if they've been kidnapped from Tibet and taken to America and now tracked down if Harry, we'll learn a little bit later, this was a two-week case for Harry, that they should apparently be, like, double the size at this point. And I'm like, oh, boy. That makes that box really heavy. Really heavy. I was going to say that does actually, again, it was one of those things I was literally thinking of today because um, you sort of, like, again, he says that they're, but we don't get, like, a super big description on them right away, and it's not until kind of much later that, you know, he starts saying, like, oh, what kind of dog they might. So at first you're like, sure, Lots of puppies are... And I mean, okay, Harry's a big guy. So I'm like, sure, a larger dog could still fit in the palm of Harry's hand. And sure, his big leather duster has fairly large pockets. You could... But again, some puppies start very bright. And I'm like thinking about this. And I'm like, knowing now what I know about, you know, what type of dog I was like... Because same... Like even my dog, she's a golden retriever cross. And by the time she was old enough, you know, 10 weeks to come home with us, she was a fairly large buzz ball. Not fitting in any pockets. She, she wasn't fitting in any pockets. And, you know, it felt like carrying a good sack of potatoes or whatever, right? And I'm like, and she's only a golden, right? So I'm like, these, exactly. Like, See, I don't mind so much just because I'm, we we know where it's going to go. We're not going to quite go completely oh. into it because this is such a long game joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's worth it, I think, in ways to, to, to pare down those details. To get to that joke. It is. And I and it doesn't bother, like, again, it's not, like, a nitpick I have, but it's just, it's funny that you mentioned that because that's literally what I was thinking today on the way over, too, is that I'm, like, exactly, I'm, like, when, once you give these details, I'm, like, yeah, these dogs would not be that teeny tiny unless that's part of these mystical, magical Tibetan dogs that they they grow really slow and so it's gonna, you know what I mean? Like, maybe they just mature at half, so... Two you know, weeks for them is the same as two because days. he says that the box is really heavy. Well, I'm, but he doesn't say how big the dogs are. No, it's a long-running joke for humans that they make like kittens and puppies and birds and things so cute, so that the humans take pity and take care of them with their babies, and they need that extra help, right? It's like, um, that's the same thing for human babies, right? For any yeah. parent that's ever known, I don't, wh- I don't have babies. Though. No, but <laughs> but the reason why babies are so cute and adorable is, be, you know, so we don't kill them. <laughs> But it's just, it's like one of those things, it's like, yes, this is a tiny little puppy, love it, it'll be fine. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 
but yeah. No, I know. It did. Yeah, it doesn't bother me on Evel. That's just funny because he does, you know, the way he describes them does make you envision these little teeny yeah. tiny. And then at the same time, you're like, no, a dog, like that type two of weeks? dog for, yeah, no, that thing would be probably, you know, well, and like you say, potentially longer because that's just how long Harry was tracking. Exactly. Again, like, so. we don't, even if they were born only two weeks ago at two weeks, well, I guess puppies are actually well, small two weeks, but still. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. But yeah, I don't know if he would be quite this tiny. I concur. Anyways, worth it for the okay. We will. Yeah, we'll. We. I will let this. This is. This is fine for. Let it stand. Fantasy. Yeah. 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 It's kind of like you know babies on TV or whatever. It's like the newborns that are like a two year old. You know, because like, you're like yeah, it's, uh, suspension of disbelief. I'm good with it here. <laughs> Over the course of many encounters and many years, I have successfully developed a standard operating procedure for dealing with big nasty monsters. Run away. <laughs> I love that. Yes. Yeah. All right. Again, so very hairy. <laughs> well, and he has good reason because now these these crazy flying monkeys are no longer just singular crazy flying monkeys. Yes. And <laughs> the demon Kong. Right? Yeah. Or monkey Voltron, he changes it to. So many pop culture so references. So many pop culture. But it's true because, yeah, we see that these other ones start. Just, so first he thinks it's just like monkey Kong. And then he's like, oh, no, wait, they're adding to it. So it's more like Voltron, which is because I'm like, I remember Voltron. We used to watch Voltron. And you probably have no idea who Voltron is. Uh, you, every time you bring up something from your childhood, I'm just glaze over. Yeah, oh, of course. That's the one where it's like the they all have their, they're all individual like machine. Yeah, it, it's kind of. And like, then they come together as one big giant. It's kind of like a precursor to like the, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Right. Because, yeah, each one, I feel like they were sort of like a tiger cat kind of each thing but maybe that's the power rangers ones i don't remember but yeah they were each they're kind of like transformers and stuff like that too it's like yeah they were all each their own individual one but then they come together to be this do the transformers come together as well some of them do eventually later on they they can all gang up and become super giant bots too this is very much 80s like cartoon trope right there is yeah i guess it was a thing but yeah but that was it is that yeah voltron was them all coming together to make the one big giant ass Time for a Teen Wolf reference. <laughs> it's been so long. It's been a minute, yeah. In Teen Wolf, the twin werewolves can fuse together to create a bigger alpha uh-huh. werewolf. See, there you go. That sounds gross. Both it is, very. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not great. Nobody liked it at all. <laughs> mm, nice idea, poorly executed. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> mm. Yes. But the smaller demons come together to make a bigger, better, faster demon. <sighs> The, the bionic. Which is not fair that, like, so many monsters can do that. Just fuse together. And be a worse monster. Right? When does Harry ever get to do that? Come here, Murphy. You're just going to pop you up on my shoulders, and now we're going to be a nine-foot-tall <laughs> 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 I've seen that in a few horror movies, too. Like, that's that's covered a few times. Yeah. It yeah. just happens in a lot of storylines. Especially lines. buggy-type things. Those always... Anything creepy-crawl, you can always have, like, a million bug things that can, like, become one giant slug or break apart into, like, gazillion little worms or... But, yeah, it's one of those things that it's just the unfair things where, like, no matter what Harry's facing, they all, like, kick his ass until he can, you know? And it's like, how come Harry never has the advantage of, right? Like, whatever you face is always... And especially, like, Harry has... I think he jinxes himself because he's like, oh, yeah, those aren't a big deal. And then all of a sudden they pop up in a book and, like, kick his ass. And it's like, see, you say, you know, you're like, oh, you're like, fairies aren't that big a deal. They're just like, blah, blah, blah. And then you have the entire fairy court shows up and goes to war. And you're like, okay, well. (laughs) But, yeah, it seems to be one of those things where it's just the disadvantage of that. It's always... They're always better than him. Harry screams, start the car! To our favorite vampire, Thomas. Thomas! He wasn't alone after all. Yeah. He's got a partner. But not in there with him. 
But yeah, a getaway driver. A getaway driver. He's got a getaway driver. But she's not sure if he's actually going to help or not, but he does. Well, again, if he slows, huh? Oh, shit. (laughs) Yes, yes, there's stuff happening. Start the car. So come to find out that Thomas met up with Harry at the bar, McNally's, earlier in the night and asked for a ride home. And Harry was like, no problem. One stop to make on the way there. Won't take a second. <laughs> this is like me. This is in my ears. I'm like, no, just be a minute. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> he eventually, and you can't even get it going at first. Which is, okay, if you've ever borrowed a vehicle from another person, right? Everyone always is like, oh, just so you know, there's a little trick here and a tip there and a daddily do here and a dibba dibba, right? Thomas got in the passenger seat, had no idea what was coming, had to start driving this fucking death trap. They get into the vehicle and Harry starts describing like, oh yeah, it's been eaten by mold demons. It's only got the hard plastic I had to re-put in the upholstery all, and like, wooden beams and all like, this shit. Sitting on crates and shit, yeah. Sitting on crates. Like, you find out that, like, this is the vehicle that comes with, like, you gotta pull the cord and you gotta start the lighter and you gotta put the gotta hanger hold- and the key ignition and, like... like yeah. Hold- Thomas didn't get any of that. It's like, figure <laughs> it out, vampire. Three times. <laughs> yeah, right. right? Of all the vehicles that are not just, yeah, you can figure it out, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <it's laughs> I think he does really well. Like, he managed to, to even uh, evade another volley of flaming excrement. <laughs> and he managed to also to grab Harry's leg while he's evading this said poop. Flaming poop. As he's flying out of the car. <laughs> so he's well, holding Dresden. Yeah. Well, that's his, yeah, as he's... That's his fault because of the way he turns and sends him flying back out of the car. Well, first he figures he's, he, Harry's like, is he leaving? Like, is he just going? Because he, like, makes for the thing. And then we find out that he slows down just long enough for Harry to, like, dive into the car. So Harry's, this is the other thing that I'm like, again, suspension of disbelief. Because this very large man. So beetles are great because I have, again, from my experience with, with tall people, they, they are actually fairly roomy for not being a very large car. They are relatively roomy inside. So very large people can drive them easier than other small cars. It's the dome. It's the dome. But again, your door is still your door is still your door. You're still bending over and and crouching down. So he's got, but he's carrying a large wooden box of puppies. Oh, there's no interior. He said that he puts it down. He puts it down in the back. No, but he, he dives into the car with them. Oh, I, th- I thought you were talking about later when he's on the window. No, no, no. he no. puts it down. Yeah, no, no. He's like, Thomas, because he's like, I thought he was going to leave me. Slows down. Thomas leaned across the car. I grunted with effort and threw myself into the car. I almost lost the box, but managed to get it just before the not jeered puppy. So he's like, the car doesn't, right? He does not stop and get in. He's got to jump into the car as it drives by with this box. And I'm like. Again, this car is stripped down bare bones. All that extra. You got so I much get, more there's, elbow there's, room there's than no normal. There's no more back. Crest He's to got block a milk crate sitting just going straight through to the yeah. I'm when just gonna you take out all that. I'm just gonna say it would have been awkward, is all. I mean, I mean, it was possible, but I'm just saying it's gonna be awkward for a six foot nine guy holding a box of you know, again, not even just like a little soft cardboard box, but when you like dive head, presumably, because how else are you diving into this? But yeah, he squished a couple puppies. I'm yeah, I was like, this would be a very awkward, uncomfortable. Yes, they're just sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> But we're not going to talk about it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. 
Harry, or Thomas says where to, and Harry directs him to the airport. Wait, before we get to that part, okay. there's one thing I'm curious about. Because he hits him with, like, he's while he's still leaning out the window, he uses a fire spell on this monkey that is flinging fire poo. So what makes his fuego spell effective when this this hey, has, so partially, has fire guts? If you have a gun and I have a gun, we can both shoot each other. I but was, typically I would say, yeah, if something is clearly a fire monster, fire is not the thing you fight it with. So the gamer in me is like, you gotta use ice or water. Mm-hmm. I, I was gonna say, you gotta fight fire with fire. Right. <laughs> So, no, I do. I agree, kind of. Yeah, with the gun, gun thing. I'm gonna say, I yeah, mean, he's works. he's throwing flaming poo, but that doesn't necessarily, yeah, it doesn't negate it's the hard fact on the that inside he, and soft on the outside. I don't. Well, I, maybe maybe it's like just like sulfuric poo that it just it's a different kind of fire. Well, but sulfur's the one that ignite. You, you got to keep it in like oil or whatever because it reacts with like water and air. No, is that potassium? Sulfur? No, sulfur. Both of them. I'm not but anyways, a chemist. Yeah. I feel like potassium is sort of reactive too. But anyways, the sulfur anyways is, yeah, you can't just keep it because it, it exactly, as soon as it is exposed to air, it will like burst into flames. If you put it in water, it will burst into flames. So you got to keep it in like an oil solute thingy because it's that reactive, right? So maybe just, you know, whatever this internal monkey organs are, it's fine. But then as soon as that stuff comes out it, and, and hits the the normal mm, you're making it worse. Earth, I see what earth you're air here. that it just becomes There's a, a chemical reaction. Yeah, it's Good not. God, it must shit and run at the same time. The rest uh, of the time, yeah. maybe, Well, right. again, maybe this is like a kryptonite thing. Like maybe it's only this reactive in our world. <laughs> maybe maybe you can go to the bathroom just fine when it's at home. I don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna turn change the topic. <laughs> it just keeps coming. I did not expect to have this much conversation on the. <laughs> Uh, Again, most people get out of their poop phase young. Some people keep it a lot longer. <laughs> and and this, honestly, I generally am not one, which is hilarious. I do not go. This is why so many, move, like Ace Ventura and things like that, not generally my cup of tea. I refer to them as guy humor and stuff like that because, again, all the majority, not all, of guys I have known, like my ex-husband, literally fell out of his chair. And I'm just like, it's just vulgar potty humor. Like, it's not that funny. Right? Again, the four-year-old continuities, eventually everything comes around to, I'm going to draw poop on this. It's boob and chicken butt and blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, it's not funny. Any, like, you know. <laughs> I'm shocked that there aren't as many Ace, or at all, Ace Ventura jokes in the Dresden Files. Because you'd think, like, hmm. a similarly Thank pop culture, CI sort of. And I think this is part of why I like. He's sarcastic and he's got terrible humor and ch- but it's not always the dirty not vulgar guy humor it's not all potty humor like you get that with bob bob's all about the boobs and things but harry's like come on bob we we have to pretend to be more mature than that or <laughs> you know and again it's not nearly as much of the of the potty potty humor you know i'm like harry can be a little bit once in a while and be like haha you said duty or something but you know it's like over quick and done right i'm like yeah well it's hard not to discuss when it is like <laughs> well uh, no 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 yeah uh, fully yeah this ch- and i was gonna <laughs> I knew, I knew we were going to be discussing yeah. about it. Yeah, even, I'm just making even funny. It's that, just a yeah. really shitty topic. That's it's, it's, <laughs> right. So they don't really hit on it in this one, but I do get annoyed in other books when people tend to make um, uh, like equipment suddenly get the supernatural powers of the supernatural using it. By which I mean, I was just reading another book, 
and the vampire was able to like weave around traffic really quickly because of like vampire reflexes and things like yeah. that. And I was like, okay, but the, but car, the car isn't car a vampire. Yeah. The car is still just a regular car. Like the car so shouldn't be able to just suddenly go faster and it's not the night bus. Turn sharper and you know have better brakes and stuff like that just because a vampire is now the one. Driving not unless it, you're right? driving like a Lotus or something because you know those things corner on wheels. Sure. Corner like they're on rails. <laughs> they don't corner on wheels. So it doesn't really get into it with Thomas here. Yeah. He's driving normally. Yeah. Or at least, you know, he's driving as well as any human breaking the law would be driving. But it's just one thing I want to throw in there that, like, yes. you know, he's got one hand on the steering wheel and he's pulling Harry into the car and he's like, no problem. I got all this shit. I'm a vampire badass. It's fine. I'm like, okay. But, but yes, like, it's, it's Thomas pulling the There's still traffic happening in the world, you know? Yes. It's not that the car is doing anything miraculously spectacular. It's more to the point that Thomas has to be extra supernaturally fantastic because he's got to um, compensate for the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, hey. It's like, this thing won't go over and I'm like, here, let me just pull you back in. But, yeah, we do get a cute little chase scene here um, with the thing coming out. And then, yeah, Harry, like, falling out of the car and then getting in and then, like, doing the whole, I'm going to sit out the window up on the windowsill and, like, fire stuff back at me. And, again, you get a nice little, you, you get some nice back and forth with Thomas here. Um, but he's a little bit like, who cares? You injured it. Like, let's go. And, and Harry typically is like, I can't just leave it. He's like, why not? Like, we're running away. This is, you know, and Harry again has to be like, Thomas, poor, poor, selfish Thomas. Okay, yeah, great. So far, we're good. But again, is it, I don't know that it's not going to start just like taking its anger and frustration out on this nice little suburb here and doing wanton destruction and murder and people that don't. So we're going to make sure, right? And Thomas is like, ugh. Fine, I get you know, <laughs> but again, right? Thomas is like, I'm all about you know saving you because it helps me. But once you and me are like out of here, that's that's the end of my right. I don't have to go above and beyond. That's it. That's that all right. To do with I us. I do not think about you know Mr. and Mrs. Jones asleep in their you know two bedroom condo. There, I'm just like, what the fuck? That's not quite a vampire trait though, as much as it is a Thomas trait. Because the whole point but. of the supernatural is to be like, don't let people find out about the supernatural. Or they're going to go guns blazing and witch trials on us all, right? Like, yeah. the whole supernatural community yeah. on the whole is like, they Pitch can't working. know about us. And Harry's the one who's like, I'm in the yellow pages. I'll <laughs> help you with your vampire problems. Call me about your mermaids. I Let's talk about this, right? <laughs> but it's funny how it's on the offset where it's like, Harry's like, okay, we do clean up our messes, though. And Thomas is like, the fuck we do? <laughs> that is actually, yeah, because I was going to say, yeah, this is, I mean, again, this is just sort of the, the you know, dichotomy or whatever between, like, Harry and, and Thomas, but it is funny that you say that because you're right for all keeping it under wraps so you don't get the whole torches and pitchfork angry Bob thing happening. How often most of them are just like, oh, yeah, whatever. Just uh, yeah, it. right? It's so often <laughs> the bad guys are like, part of being a bad guy is Walk letting away. them all die. <laughs> you know, sleep this rampaging monster, and I'm sure no one will notice. And you're right, whereas at least Harry's, you're right, for as much as he's out there, he's like, oh, I'm just going to clean this up so people don't have as many questions. Or, you know, people just don't start dying as, as randomly, you know, but yeah, exactly. And part of the difference there, too, is obviously that Harry is trying to help, his whole job is to help clean up the mess. He's like, call me if yeah. the vampires and the purple flying monsters are not doing their job and they're or doing them a little too or, well you know. <laughs> mm -hmm. he takes on a lot of extra responsibility yeah. just regardless mm -hmm. yeah but still it is a little bit funny too where it's like thomas shouldn't you have more stake in this too not letting the random monsters just walk around <laughs> telling everyone about your shit <laughs> <laughs> right are you trying to make another pun there 
Um, no, I just don't have a very good vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, watch, now we got our heads, we're going to end up, like, throughout this whole entire book, we're going to be referring to things like having a steak or this or that, and every time it'll be like, now but it's just bumps, in there. But I'm bumps, yeah. but I'm bumps. <laughs> right. You know, I will be. <laughs> um, so, so, so Harry does finish off the demon with a, with another fire spell and it's effective and and it returns it to the land of oz and the pair leave uh the car in the car again yeah head off to the airport because harry's not done with his errands <laughs> right thomas is mad about that what the fuck dude <laughs> i know this is great we get such a great little back and forth so now that they have like a minute you know again he's like thomas you know being like allow me to reiterate what the hell was that? <laughs> and he's like, oh yeah, I told you I had to, uh, he's like, you know, you almost got me killed. He's like, don't be such a baby, you know? He's like, you could have told me. He's like, I did tell you. He's like, you said you had an errand. An errand is like picking up a quart of milk or like getting a tank of gas, <laughs> you know? Harry's like, well, <laughs> how do you like it? I just wanted to see how it feels or whatever, right? And he's like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, you just like accidentally needed a ride or just coincidentally needed like a ride home. You know, he's like, you just never... Po- and I like that we get a brief mention, because we haven't seen Thomas since Grave Pair. Well, he would, he backed up a little bit at the duel, but, right, this wasn't, again, really interacting with Harry. He was showing up for the other team, right? So it's just, he's like, I see you, like, once or twice a year. So it's like, oh, you guys have had one or two other occasions to cross paths. We don't really know what that is or in what circumstances, Right, but it's like, okay, we haven't got to see you, but Harry's like, oh yeah, Thomas is still there in the background. He's he's, he's still relevant. He pops up every now and well, again. Well, he got dragged back to Chicago for the duel, so now they might as well see each other. Yeah, but yeah, but I mean, again, there's only been like a couple of years in between, so they must have seen each other presumably at some point during, you know. But before, before Death Masks, he was off. He wasn't in Chicago anymore. He left at the end That's of Grave Terror was gone. So it is, you're you know, right. now he's back in Chicago. All right, we might as well run into each other every now and again. Yes, you're right. That is true. Yes, right. you're right. And it That'd doesn't be... sound like he's there a, a whole lot because Harry is able to, like, pick out that he doesn't show up to McAnally's on the very, and, and chum around. Yeah, that's not his often. place. So he doesn't, he's like, this is, this is strange behavior. You don't just come and hang out with me. Like, But this is extra weird. We know that, you know, for whatever Harry's day has been, he was like, before I do anything, I'm going to go to Max and like sit down and eat and drink. Like he had some extra time and just was like, I'm going to relax, treat myself. I just got, you know, I got paid up front for this job. I'm going to go do the job in a couple of hours. I'll stop, get dinner. Like seems totally relaxed, you know, for all that this ended up being maybe a little bit more incendiary than he was expecting. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think that's fair because that's what he said. He was expecting it to be nice and relaxed. He worked it out, figured out when when the kidnapper demon guy goes out for dinner, basically, right? That's where he was timing. He's like, I'm going to go in when he steps out to go get his McDonald's. I'm going to put a sleeping spell on everything. Nothing to worry about. Grab my puppies. I'm home by five or to the airport, right? And then this was it. His spell missed a couple of the demons, so they started chasing. So then that's when things all started going to hell. And once a few of them broke loose, then more of them broke loose. And once they combined into the big demon thing, then it quickly just overpowered his spell because he wasn't trying to do one giant, right? So, yeah, I think that he it was supposed to be just a cakewalk. It was supposed to be a walk in the park. It was supposed to be nothing exactly. He's like, I got to wait for this guy to go out. Might as well go get me a steak sandwich at McAnally's because... I got paid in advance, so I actually have money. <laughs> right? So I think from Harry's, yeah, I think that's fair that way. But yeah, he points out that it's not nearly as common 
Because that is where Harry goes every chance he gets if he has money. Or he, and again, we know he just even to check in, even if he can't really afford it, you know Harry's going to scrape up a beer or plate of fries or something because that's where the magical community hangs out. Uh-huh. So he's going to keep a subtle eye on it and, you know, be around in case, and you know, like Kim Delaney or something like that, you know, people got questions about stuff. He, he likes to be sort of accessible, right? But Thomas, yeah, Thomas is a rich fucking playboy who doesn't need to hang out at the local pub where the gawky teenage have-nots are, you know. So, yeah, so I think that's what, yeah. I don't think it's nearly as weird for Harry to just be hanging out there chilling because he basically said as much as part of his plan. Because I'm just used to him, you know, always being on his last legs. Exactly. He's usually running place to place and frantic. But, yeah, in this case, I'm like, I will give it to him because he's like, no, 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 I was just... Point is, it is suspicious that Thomas came and asked for a ride home when he clearly easily could have had his own car, called the limo, called a taxi. Asked one of the pretty girls there. Only takes him five seconds to run anywhere in Asked the city. Asked one of the pretty boys there. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? Yeah, I could probably speak <laughs> this horrible vision of because he's describing him here he's got like you know no shirt leather you know i'm like you just imagine like thomas doing that crazy speed walking butt clenched wiggle thing <laughs> thomas just like speed walking vampires are cool when they run okay don't make it lame they just blur you can't see them but, yeah, yeah nobody's when they speed walk but that's i just suddenly got me you're like you just run everywhere and i just yeah suddenly see this super sexy vampire doing this super awkward looks so it all comes out that Thomas did show up at Max because he wants a favor from Harry. Ha <laughs> Crazy. Yep. Turns out he's got a friend who's maybe got a case for Harry. Dude's a little bit ah, superstitious and or paranoid. And Thomas thinks that he's got a good reason Might maybe. have a legitimate, yeah. He's like, I know a guy. Let me uh, go pick him up from a pub. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, so we do learn that there's some, some some suspicious deaths around this said friend. Well, I was going to even jump in, sorry, just before we do that part, when he's first, because Harry's like, yeah, I guess you're not here to to kill me. But he's like, um, aren't we supposed to be enemies? Right? We got this whole thing. And it's just, again, this I love this line from Harry where he's like, um, you do remember that technically we're at war, right? Wizards versus vampires? Ring any bells? If you like, you can pretend that we're that I'm employing subversive tactics as part of a fiendish, elaborate ruse meant to manipulate you, Thomas said. Good, I said, because if I went to all the trouble of starting a war and you didn't want to participate, it would hurt my feelings. Exactly. (laughs) You know, know, exactly. It's like, well, I guess Harry, yeah, you did. (laughs) You know, I just love how he like keeps saying it's like it's not my fault, but at the same time, he'll just like. I went to the trouble of starting a war. You could at least... <laughs> you know. Care about that? Come on. Can we at least... Right? But yeah. But then he's like... So Thomas is all like, okay, fine. So I guess you're wondering whose side I am, I'm on. And Harry's like, no, you're on Thomas's side. <laughs> you know? Like, again, he's like, yeah, there's no question on whether you're on the vamp side or my side. Like, yeah, sure. And he's like, I just... Again, this is Thomas in a nutshell. You're on Thomas's side. Whatever will work out best for you is what you will do, regardless of... You know, so I'm like, just these cute little neat ways of wrapping it up and, you know, summarizing what he's all about. But just typical Harry having fun with it. And again, why we love Thomas, because Thomas just plays it right back at him, right? You know, I'm like, again, Marcone is all like, I'm too good for this. I'm not going to play your games. But he will still make occasional cracks and take shots, right? Where Thomas is just like, I know, I'll totally play with you. (laughs) You know, it's like, uh, yep. But yeah, then they are off off to O'Hare. And yes, we find out that... So there is some suspicious deaths that have been happening around this this said friend. 
Uh, one of which Stacy Stacy Willis, his driver, getting stung to death by twenty thousand bees in the trunk of the limo, and then his assistant Sheila Banks or Barks Sheila Barks was hit by a runaway car while water skiing. Suspicious, yes, definitely. <laughs> So Thomas does ask if he thinks it's an entropy curse. Harry says if it is, it's sloppy and it's powerful just based on how like ridiculous these deaths are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. But this this reminds me, speaking of entropy curses, now in the last book, when Harry was hit, is it the last book? Or was it yeah, it was yeah. him and Susan yeah, jumping yeah. out of the... So when Harry was hit by that entropy, what was first called the entropy curse, um, was, was that technically an entropy curse or was it the curse from the, the noose trying to kill him? Because it, it like... Or is it one and the same? So Harry originally thought that it was an entropy curse, but it was later revealed that it was actually a different curse, and that that curse, curse didn't fizzle out because of his wards. It fizzled out because Shiro then took on the swap places with swap Harry. Places with Harry. Okay, all right. So we called it an entropy curse, not knowing, and then we eventually knew no, it was not an entropy curse. Right. However, clearly a lot of overlap in these bad voodoo. Yeah, but we don't necessarily know that the Barabbas curse couldn't... Um, could be a form of an entropy an, curse? Yeah. Well, it could be, yeah. Right, that it could take on whatever is... Um, because, yeah, again, it was kind of a random... Like, what was that? Wasn't there, like, a brick or something falling off the chimney just that just about... super random was trying to kill them, like the, the electrical coming down upon them. But that was smarter because at least it made sense for the moment. This one's like a car while you're water skiing. <laughs> Bees that. out of a trunk. Like, Well, the, again, there are things that technically could happen because they did. Accidents. However, yeah, it's like someone's trying a little too hard here that exactly, that it's supposed to be just sort of a more natural, like, yeah, like you say, oh, a brick fell out of the chimney. What are the odds? Like, Essentially, Harry like is like, okay, fine. Like, I'll go talk to your guy. I gotta go to O'Hare and talk to another guy first, and then we'll go do with deal with your thing. But there's a moment in there too when like Thomas is like, "Did you really save the world?" And it's so sweet because it's like Harry doesn't get like as we said at the beginning of the book, he basically doesn't get paid for any of this shit. Like, yeah. he's having to go and do all this shit for free, saving the world for free. So at the very least, he can at least get the acknowledgement for that. And it's nice that Thomas does give him that and is like, "Hey, man, like that's actually fucking cool." Like, yeah. And obviously Harry downplays it a little bit. He's like, oh, well, I was going to die if I didn't anyways. The world was just in the same fucking... (laughs) I was mostly just saving my own ass. The world just happened to be there too. (laughs) Right? But it's still, it's nice to just be like, okay, yes. If we're not going to be paid in money, let's be paid in accolades. Yes. Yes. Get something out of it. That exactly. And clearly that also means that people are talking about Dresden. Mm. It has made its way to the white court. They are aware. To the Bahamas or the wherever hell. he ran off to. And, uh, clearly, there's enough gossip going around. It's making its way down the grapevines. People, this is Harry Dresden is starting to make a name in the world. Outside of the yellow pages of Chicago. <laughs> yeah, not just as the crazy guy who's, but yeah, exactly. Because um, clearly Harry's not the one going around being like, you know, I saved the world, right? Maybe I get 10% off my fucking beer, Mac. You're alive yeah. because of me. Right, Obviously exactly. Obviously that's not happening. You know, didn't throw that in the Yellow Pages ad. Like, hey, I've saved the world twice. Just saying. You want <laughs> to, right? you know, we're number one. No Be- apocalypse. Before you pick another twice. wizard, come to, you know. <laughs> like, Two apocalypses averted as of right now. You're welcome. Plus a few other, you know, more localized, but... Uh, yeah, the exactly. point is, is that yeah, people are talking about it, whether credible or not. It's making its way around, and Thomas has heard it from somewhere. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's another interesting tidbit. That is another little bit. Um, because again, oh sorry, the, the fairies could have also just you know 
made it a lot quieter too, right? Like they didn't want to involve the rest of the world. They went into their never, never above Chicago bullshit. Cause it was like, this is all about the fairies. If the rest of you die while we're fighting, that sucks to be you. But we're not, we didn't call up the vampires. We didn't call up the white council. We didn't be like, just so you guys know, we're going to war next week. Mm-hmm. Everyone batting down the hatches. They came to Harry only because they needed one person to go and figure out who the fucking murderer was, right? And what the fuck happened to the mantle. I could see the alphas though, go- going to bat for him and like saying, Dude, he did this. It was so cool. We got to walk up steps. Well, they, they, yeah. They the alphas, sure, but who's the fuck is listening to the alphas, right? Unless the underground occult is just that dramatic, gossipy but that I mean, it makes I, its way around everyone else. You know what? For sure it is. Because, let's face it, gossip is gossip in the drama. And like I say, in the adult world, right, we all make that joke like high school never ends. We all figure, you're going to graduate high school. You're going to grow up and be well, an adult. You're going to go out in the real And you discover, no, everybody at work is still fucking the jock and the princess. And the and you got clicks and you got backstabbing and you got right. We've all heard that Bowling for Soup song. We've all heard that, you know. So, exactly, you know. And I'm like, so the supernatural can only be supernaturally, you know what I mean? If it's just, if gossip and and rumor and whatever is what it is in this world, the supernatural level has to be so you know those little bitches out there are all fucking talking about their either especially the have nots that are sitting in McAnally's like but you got the, the elf point. and them all being we're like we're gossiping about it oh my <laughs> god Harry is awesome and the rest of them being like that stupid guy like if it was me he totally wouldn't have got away with it <laughs> the point I'm trying to make is that I don't think it's just the little kids or lesser supernatural I think it's the yeah. bigger supernatural that's doing the gossiping themselves right. too yeah and that's yeah. how it's making it around so much faster is cause it's like I can see that guess what what? Yeah, no, I think that's, yeah, what I'm agreeing with you is that exactly. It's not just the nobodies, but... Well, in their conversation, Thomas also brings up the same essential question that keeps coming up. Why does Harry do what he does? Dude's had almost two years to come up with an answer. Hasn't done it. And, right? He kind of evades it, yeah. Cabbage patch. All I can figure is that you're either nursing a deep and sadistic self-hatred, or else you're insane. I gave you the benefit of the doubt and left monumentally stupid off the list. <laughs> And Harry basically replies, you don't know me. (laughs) I'm a very complicated guy. I got friends. I do stuff. Oh, yeah, because he says he has friends. And then Thomas replies, monster hunters, werewolves, and a talking skull. I don't remember Thomas meeting Bob. Did he? Uh Uh-uh. I I had the same note. There's no way for Thomas to know about Bob. It's a big deal. There's no way for him to know about Bob. It's a big deal later in the books when he fucking meets Bob. But he does take Bob with him when him and Michael go through the never-never to go to beyond because he has him tied in his Rolling Stone shirt. See, and that's what I was wondering too. So there, I, said, I had a note here. Was it, was it at Bianca's that he met him? There is I, again. I would have to go back and see the full intro. I can't remember if he has any other conversation with on around Thomas first, but he does go back to get some, and he does take it with him. And when they obviously have to rescue him out of there when he blows the place up and every well, I guess actually they didn't. They Thomas and Michael had to escape out a. a gentlemen's club so they weren't actually but yeah he takes bob in with him so i'm like there is a reasonable chance because yeah i had to do for a second i was like wait if he met bob at any point i guess it was when they were going through the never never but that wasn't specified and it wasn't unspecified i guess bob was talking to harry then too but still i agree i felt like that was weird as well and i couldn't remember but again maybe it was just implied but and then you know, there's my goldfish, goldfish memory, so, I mean, it could have been stated, and I just don't recall. Oh, Thomas tells Harry about the potential cl- client. Uh, his name is Arturo Genosa, a motion picture producer starting up his own company. And, and Harry finally agrees to take the case, but Thomas and Arturo both have to pay up. 
Thomas does agree to the terms, but Harry at the last minute adds conditions that he wants to know why Thomas is helping him and he has to come clean. And, and Thomas does agree to this caveat. Right. Thomas doesn't have to pay him money. Thomas has to pay him with information. information. Yes. Yeah. Which I've been wondering, too. You know, when you get to this point in the book, he's like, why would a vampire be helping this guy? And like... And especially because, like, at Bianca's, again, it was like, okay, you were maybe kind of forced into the same boat. You were both getting screwed fine. But then again, when at the duel, it was like, okay, you really don't have to be on Harry's side now. It's like, okay, Ortega's a bit of a dick. Fine. Maybe it's like you just want to fuck with Ortega even more than you want to just, like, not be on Harry's side. But to now be seeking him out again, to be like, I got a job for you now. And it's like, bro, we're at war. I started a war with the vampires. Acknowledge that. (laughs) This concludes our episode 12.1, The Flinging of Flaming Feces. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at freeflowrambling.com and mcanalys.ca. There we have links to our other podcasts, social media, and other fun tidbits. Please subscribe if you like what you're hearing, and please consider supporting us through Patreon to keep the magic alive and to see more content. We are Free Flow Rambling. Contra by it at your own risk. 